Frank wished me luck as I left his place in a taxi. I got to the airport without incident. Like a lot of major infrastructure in the city, Kabul International was fitted out with the latest computerised equipment. But the locals didn't know how to use or maintain half of it. It looked nice, but everywhere you looked were half-finished offices, rubbish blowing around and computers still in their boxes. The grand opening for international civilian flights just a few weeks earlier was the first step in the airport's decline to rack and ruin. The security arrangements were tight, though. A British company called Global Risk Management, which employed several people I knew in the tight-knit world of private security contractors, had been teaching the Afghans how to do airport security, and they were efficient. I was inspected, scanned and searched at two gates after passport control. I went down a set of stairs to the departure lounge, and as I was waiting for the call to board, my phone rang. The screen said it was Anton, one of the managers at work. It's all good, Anton said. Just wait there, you'll be fine. I trusted Anton, in as much as I could trust anyone who'd done the things I'd seen him involved with. Actually, I didn't really know how much I could trust him. I was working that out as I went along. Soon enough, I had an answer. Another call came in. It was Eleanor, who worked as an administrator at Four Horsemen, the American company I had worked for in the years since I'd been in Afghanistan. Eleanor was the wife of Petar, the operations manager and leader of a group of Macedonians who held senior positions in Four Horsemen's Kabul office. Eleanor was really good at her job, and we'd had a cordial, professional relationship during my year in Afghanistan. I treat people as I find them, but the Macedonians didn't like other men talking to their women, and my friendliness with Eleanor had never gone down very well with her husband and his mates. Rob, I have to warn you, Eleanor said. My heart rate went up a little. What's going on? My husband has given the NDS passport photos of you, details about you, everything they need to identify you. They're coming for you now. You need to get out of the airport. Fuck, had I been sold out? The NDS, or National Directorate of Security, Afghanistan's secret police, had close connections to Commander Hausadin, the local warlord who I believed was the main source of all of my and our company's problems. If Petar had sold me out to Hausadin, the next few minutes could be the difference literally between life and death. I considered my options. I couldn't go back out of the airport the way I'd come in. On the streets, I would never escape. I couldn't get to Bagram now that the alert was out, and my Safi Airways flight was only minutes from boarding. My way out of here was in that plane. Over the next seven years, I thought about Alana's call. As I gathered more information, I eventually came to reconsider what had happened. Maybe I wasn't really seconds from getting away. Maybe it was all a setup. Maybe that minibus would have just waited on the tarmac for however long it took for the cops to come and grab me. Maybe, as I wished for those few seconds to tick over, my fate had already been sealed by forces beyond my knowledge or control. In a strange way, that consoled me. Better to be angry at betrayal than wringing your hands over bad luck and a couple of minutes. In the events that followed Eleanor's call, I had one, if only one, stroke of fortune. The eight men who came into the departure lounge to grab me, led by an officer waving around a copy of my passport photo page, my company ID and some other proof-of-life documents, were wearing uniforms. They were Afghan police, not NDS, who would have been in plain clothes. If the NDS had arrested me, I probably would have been taken to a black or secret prison, tortured and murdered. 
I'm reasonably sure that that's what would have happened if I had tried to get into Bagram. The uniformed cops didn't tell me I was under arrest. They didn't tell me anything. Without a single word, they grabbed me by the arms and marched me back through the departure lounge. I played dumb. As we walked, I got my hand into my pocket and found the redial button on my phone. The last person I'd called was Frank, and I definitely trusted him. With my phone on and the redial button pressed, I hoped that Frank could hear what the police were telling me as they walked me through the airport. Frank would put two and two together and know I'd been caught. The most important thing was to remain visible. As we walked, I began asking loud questions, spelling everything out so that Frank could overhear exactly what was going on. What are you doing? Where are you taking me? To police headquarters or the commander's office here? Why are there eight of you who need to do that? When we came towards the airport security office...